Hey everyone, what's up? It's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival. Welcome to podcast episode number 230. Now this week, I'm actually coming to you from my parents' basement. I'm traveling right now, and so I'm going to start out by apologizing for the less than stellar recording quality for this week's episode. But I think that the tips that I'll be sharing with you will more than make up for my separation from my whiz-bang podcast microphone back in my office. Anywho, this week I thought I'd give you another chance to be a fly on the wall for one of my New World Patriot Alliance one-on-one coaching calls where I fielded a question from one of our members, Jim, on a certain element of his bug-out plan that he was really looking for some answers to. I really love talking with Jim. He's put a lot of thought into how he would protect himself should the poop actually hit the fan out here. And, uh, and Jim's question and my feedback are all coming right up. But don't forget to grab this week's free show notes, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points from this podcast episode. All you need to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 230 and download it all for free. And now, let's get started. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. Now, some of you may know that while we do exclusive workshops inside of the New World Patriot Alliance members area, one of the things that I do every week is I love to get on the phone. I open up my office phone and I talk one-on-one with members about their personal needs related to self-protection or preparedness or anything that they want to talk about. And uh, and Jim was one that called in just recently here. And I just love talking with Jim. In fact, we took up two sessions because I just really enjoyed talking with him. He had some. He, he's already done a lot of work in preparing himself and his family for any sort of a crisis out there. And you're going to hear some of what he's already done here. But there's one area that he really wanted some help with, just as a confirmation, I think. And uh, and here's Jim now with one of the challenges that he may face if he's ever forced to decide to evacuate his family in the area that he lives in during a crisis. Listen in now. Hey, Jeff. Well, I appreciate this time. And I live a little bit east of you over in the Beaumont area. Oh, really? Yes. With Houston on one side, Lake Charles, and we've probably got 300,000 here. Yeah. And uh, so my question evolves around is some of these uh, issues, whether it's with an economic collapse, martial law, if we're going to bug out. Well, where I'm headed, my place is up in Arkansas. So I have about a seven-hour or 300-mile trip, which is really pushing it, you know, on the upper limit of bugging out somewhere. And my call revolves around that. What warning signs do you look at that I can get on the front of the wave? In other words, not be past day two getting out and not wind up on the freeway like your good picture had. Okay, now that was only a portion of some of the things that we talked about on our call, but um, you can you can tell that Jim has put a lot of thought into where he's going to go and things like that. And 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 so what I want to do is cover a few things that uh, I can point out about what Jim is doing really well, and then give you also so I have three things that I want to talk about that Jim is uh, is doing well, and then three 
bits of information based upon our call that I can also share with you also. And I did get Jim's permission to be able to use his question and also give you some insights into our call as well. All right. So some of the things that let me let me share some of the things that Jim is really doing well. Number one, he's thinking. <laughs> and and you can tell he's he's really put a lot of thought in this. All right. But more importantly than him just thinking about what he would do in any sort of a crisis is that he's taking action. He's already done the um the uh, well, it's going to be something I'm going to talk about here, but he's not just thought about um, like what gear should I have and, and you know what can I buy or he, he's not just talking about that. He's talking about the tactics that he's going to put behind his actions and he's taken action on those things. I can tell you right now that most of the people that I talk to know they should be doing something, but they're not doing anything. They're procrastinating and they're and they're really putting things off and they know they shouldn't be. But let's face it, it's really easy to put things off till tomorrow that you should be doing today. Um, for, fortunately for Jim, he's not doing that. He is an action taker, and that was the biggest thing that really came across to me in my conversation with him of just how much he's really put into putting together his plan. The second thing is um, his tackle, tactical assessment of his location and his personal circumstances of where he lives. Now, this is something we tell everybody, and, and I can tell you that one of the biggest concerns that we get from people out there and, and in my one-on-one coaching calls, especially people that are just getting into, into preparing, is that there's so much to, to prepare for. Like, I, I don't know, like, where do I begin? There's, Jeff, there's, there's, um, you know, economic meltdown, there's pandemics, there's nuclear, there's, there's all these threats we face. Like, where do I even start? And so that really freezes people up for taking action. Now, Jim has already considered that one of the biggest the biggest problems that he might have is during an economic meltdown. So he understands that other people are oftentimes really the true threat that we face, more so even than the disaster itself or the economy itself. It's how people react to it. Specific to an economic meltdown, when people don't eat, when, when people aren't able to feed their families, they freak out. They, we, we see crime rates rapidly increase because people have to eat, right? So there's all sorts of a, there's a domino effect that happens with, with these types of things, all right? But what Jim has done, you can hear it there. He knows where he sits in relation to other urban centers. He knows where, where he sits related to major thoroughfares that, that would be either extraction points or, you know, main avenues of, of evacuation, even in a crisis. And, and he knows where he is in relation to all of those things. He also has a secondary retreat to go to, which is number three here, okay? So number three is that he has a destination in mind. Most people don't have a secondary destination, all right? Most people just think, that, you know, that when, when something happens, that they'll just get on the road and take off and go to, you know, Aunt Nanny's house or whatever. They haven't really thought about it, though. Not only that, but because, because look, you can come up with that answer very quickly, right? Like right now, if you had to evacuate your home, you can probably think of like, okay, yeah, I've got my, my brother that lives over in Kansas or whatever. Like you, you, you know of a destination you might be able to get to, and that can be answered pretty quickly. However, how you would get there isn't thought of very much. Now, Jim has thought of these things. He knows that there are certain choke points that he's going to have to face if he were put out on that road and there were already people out there evacuating, he knows that there are there are major bridges that he's going to have to cross in order to get to his secondary destination over in Arkansas there. He knows that if there is martial law, 
that there could very well be checkpoints. If it's something like a pandemic, there could truly even be um, quarantine zones, and you might not be able to leave an area or enter an area. There's all sorts of things that can that can trip you up there. He's also very familiar that urban areas are going to be the centers of where there's going to be major resupply points and also major freakout. There could be protests. There could be riots. When people aren't taken care of, and let's face it, we're a very dependent society. When people are no longer being taken care of, those reliant, per, those reliant citizens are going to freak out. They are going to protest. They are going to riot. And there is not going to be rule of law. There's just no way. There's just no way to, because even with military and police presence, you're going to have a reduced military and police presence because those people, if it's a national um, emergency, they're going to have to take care of uh, their family as well. Now, military are most likely, I mean, that it'll be harder for them to stay back and take care of their of their people because they're government property, if you will. If you will. I mean, we, we really understood that. Um, however, the military is also very good about taking care of uh, dependents as well. Um, nonetheless... It, it's going to be a very trying time. And the government has already started taking measures to be able to deal with something like this because they know that there are very real threats that we face that could cause a true meltdown, civil unrest, and all these other things. Okay, uh, But Jim has already thought about a lot of that stuff. In where He knows where he's going to go. He knows how to get there. But he also knows where those chill points are. Okay, That's very, very critical here. Now, one of the things that uh, Jim brought up to me that he, he heard about or uh, in in one of my presentations was to be able to have topographical maps for alternative means of of or alternative avenues of getting to his secondary destination as a plan B um, if he ever needed to. So if the roads really were clogged up, like like he said, and as we talk about in our workshop and in in, in New World Patriot Alliance and and those types of things, um, he knows that you know. If the roads are all clogged up, you have to find alternative means, and there are other alternative means to be able to get there. Um, and Jim even brought up to me, in fact, we had a secondary call where he wanted to make sure that when I, when I spoke to everybody out there on this, on this, uh, this podcast, that to really think about alternative transportation modes that you could, you could come up with. You know, that might be a, a touring bike. So we talk about that also in our workshop about having a secondary means of transportation, whether that is a touring bike, whether that is an electric bike, which is another thing that we've talked about on one of the other podcasts, especially for people with mobility problems, or if you, you know, let's say, face it, you're not going to necessarily, um, you're not going to certainly walk 300 miles to, uh, to your destination like, like, like Jim. And, and, you know, look, he, he understands he's not going to walk 300 miles also. So there are other, other means of transportation. That could even be a kayak. If you live near waterways, a kayak might be your best route, not to get to necessarily like all the way up to a secondary safe place, but it might be able to get you to another means of transportation. And that might be able to get you to another location you can get to, to be able to get another means out of the area that you're in. So it really comes up to creativity, but the most important part is to take Jim's example here and really do a tactical assessment of your own personal threats, your own situation, your own mobility, your own ability to move, your own ability to evacuate, where you're located, and all of those things, okay? Now, those are the things that Jim has brought up to me in our call that I, I really think he's doing a great, great job on it. And now let me go ahead and address some of his issues, okay, and some of the things that he was concerned about with how do I know what are the warning signs to look for when I, I should be out, when I should be on my way to Arkansas to get to my Plan B safe retreat. And those tips are coming up right after this special message. 
In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Jeff again, and we are talking with one of our members of the New World Patriot Alliance, Jim, who is doing a lot to really prepare himself and his family for being able to bug out to their Plan B safety retreat in Arkansas should the excrement really hit the fan and he has to get out of there. Um, specifically, he was looking for what warning signs to look for that it is time to take off and, and get on the road here. So let me go ahead and share with you three things based upon my conversation with Jim um, that you can also use in your own plans, all right? Now, let's. Uh, so tip number one, warning. let's talk specifically about warning signs. So the warning signs that he was really looking for were if it's an economic meltdown and there's martial law, things like that, like anything that's going to affect citizens in his area that could put them all on the road, as he put it, like army ants, just on, you know, a mass evacuation happening out of his area. He does not want to be caught in that that row of army ants there because he, he realizes that that really is a, uh, a challenge. That's going to be a security challenge that he's going to have to face. So um, when, it comes, when it comes to economic warning signs, look, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, I am not an economic advisor. I am not an economic expert. Um, it is, however, one of the areas that I'm most concerned about because I think we all know that it really is a ticking time bomb. Our economy is has so many different factors built into it that could cause an economic meltdown. From um, not just the not just the debt. I mean, the debt has been growing by about a trillion a year for you know for a long, long time now, and it doesn't look like that's ever going to change. There have been there have been certain things that have been put in front of Congress and um, that but basically people disagreed. Democrats and Republicans disagree on how to reduce the debt. And we never really seem to make any headway on it. Now, the debt by itself um, isn't as much of a problem as it is in relation to other things like like uh, interest rates. You know, so when, when a, a large debt hits higher interest rates, that's where we're going to get things where it's going to be hard for people. And that's really what we're talking about. When it's hard for the people, that's where it's going to hit us most. Um, now, an economic meltdown could happen overnight. It could take a long time to happen. So I'm not going to get into all of the different um, different factors in it, partially because I don't even know. In fact, I've been looking for a really good expert to bring on to the show 
to really kind of lay this out for somebody as stupid as me to be able to understand it. Um, all I know is that there are so many factors and that the government doesn't necessarily have our interests at, um, at, at the highest level of their, uh, of their priority list. Uh, corporations are certainly built into that as well. And, I mean, just who knows what the hell, right? It's just a big old, you know, alphabet soup mess here. It's a soup sandwich. So I've been looking for somebody to get on the show that can really break it down and, and make it clear for us. Not just, I'm not looking for fear porn. I'm, I'm not looking to like scare the hell out of everybody here about it, but it certainly is. A, we all know it's a threat. Now, the warning signs that I personally look for are detailed in our survival guide with a little bit of, of work that I've done with talking with certain people about these things um, when it comes to the economy. Um, you can find our survival guide over, it's for, it's free. You can get it over at survivalgearsecrets.com. Uh, you can just go ahead and download it for free there. And we talk about the five most, most, um, the most critical threats that we face that really could cause a collapse within the United States. Okay. But it's not necessarily, even if, even if things changed overnight where we had an economic collapse that changed overnight, the markets just collapsed. Um, with specific to Jim, he does have a secondary place that is more rural. He has the means to be able to sustain himself in that area, and it's going to be far safer for him than it is going to be in the Beaumont area where he's at near Houston and and, and uh, Lake Charles and, and other urban centers where crime and um, riots, protests, people looking to be able to sustain their families, crime, that could branch out from those urban centers a lot more. So he wants to get to his plan B safe route. Now, he's seven hours away. Okay, he's seven hours away. So safety for him is seven hours away. Where is it for you? Where would your safety spot be that's not near urban centers? Like, because going from one area to, to another area, if you don't, if that's going to be a, a, even more dangerous, of course you don't want to go there, right? It's not just about having a just another place to go. It's about having a safe place to go, all right? So you've really got to do that assessment like Jim has done here. But we're talking about seven hours, okay? So uh, for Jim, uh, seven hours to be able to get there, although that seems like it is on the higher end, we always talk people should have something about 150 miles away that they can get to really rather quickly, um, even if they didn't have a vehicle. Um, but in a vehicle, seven hours, most people are not going to react to an economic meltdown by getting on the road and just leaving their homes. They're going to hunker down inside of their homes. Jim is just on the front end of the warning signs because he knows that he doesn't want to wait around for people to get on really super desperate times. All right. So seven hours isn't that bad with something like an economic meltdown. Now, another type of a disaster, it could that he, he obviously needs to get out there much, much sooner. But with an economic meltdown, those warning signs we look for are things like a sharp spike in um, in gas prices. And the reason for that is because when gas goes higher, then everything becomes more expensive, from food to clothing, everything, because we run on the trucking system. We need goods to be transported throughout our entire society. If gas is more expensive and those trucks, it costs more to, to, deliver, to deliver goods, it's going to cost more for everybody. And if we're already going through an economic crisis like a recession where people's uh, price, where pieces, people's uh, income is down, then it, it means that they have less money to buy more expensive goods. Okay? So that could trigger. In fact, we're already seeing signs even with the economic shutdown that's happening right now. Um, this could have a domino effect also that could affect all, all, all areas of our economy. We'll have to wait and see how this really plays out, right? 
But some of those warning signs are again are are uh, those. Also, when it comes to our ability to be able to borrow as a government, so uh, listen, listen, our uh, we have a budget deficit, right? <laughs> we don't have a budget surplus. We we take in less money than what we owe, and so we have to borrow money. We mostly borrow it from ourselves in the way of treasury bills and and, and bonds and things like that. And uh, again, I'm not going to go deeply into the different types of investments and, and whatnot, but we borrow from ourselves, mostly from the Social Security system. But we're able to borrow that money in for now. That doesn't mean it's going to we're going to be able to do that in the future. And that is, you know, that's based upon confidence that people are going to to get paid back. Just like just like the the bank loaning you money, the bank loans you money only if they think you're going to be able to pay them back. If they don't think they can, you can pay them back, they're not going to give you money. So the same thing happens. We also lend money, or I'm sorry, um, we borrow money from foreign investors in foreign countries because they know that we're going to pay them back. But if we stop being able to pay them back, we're not able to borrow money anymore. That's the that's a very simplistic view of it. But essentially, what I look for are really like increases in um, in the rates that we pay for for our for our borrowing. And that you can go to Treasury.gov and you can look up Treasury. Um, the treasury rates and things like that. But if we, if we start to see a sharp increase there, again, we're, we're going to be in a world of hurt there. So some of those, those are some of the warning signs. But again, when it comes down to boots on the ground, you're going to have time to be able to get to your safety retreat because there's going to, you're going to be, you're going to see it on the news and, and whatnot. Okay. Um, but let's talk about something else that he brought up because he, he is worried about martial law. Now I really need to caution people not to get, look, it really bothers me in our industry that there have been um, some people have come in that use, I call it fear porn. They really try to scare the hell out. Do you remember the ads like, you know, like probably like two or three years ago where like, you know, Obama had death coffins already stacked up for the FEMA camps and we, they were going to be rounding up preppers, you know, and, and putting and basically killing them off if the culling was going to happen. And we were going like, they were already had all of the coffins laid out to be able to put everybody in the ground. That was a, that was a patriotic American that was self-reliant and prepping. Well, that was total bullshit. And, and people use that in order to scare you to get into, to, into buying, buying their products. And, and I don't like that stuff. Look, I know we, we use very illustrative ways of, 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 you know, people understanding the threats that are out there and, and it, and it can be entertaining, but it also can be very informative. And we try to really keep people uh, with their feet on the ground. So these are, so that way, you know, there's no zombies coming out of the ground here. We're talking about real threats that people should face. So you're really truly prepared. All right. So look, I, I, people, people are shocked when I say this, but um, you know, with that fear of the FEMA camps, uh, that they were going to round up all patriots. No, I actually want FEMA camps. I really want the barbed wire fences there. I want all of those things because it's not me and you. Well, I can't speak for you, but it's not me that they're going to look to. Well, I can't even really speak for me because if you were to read a lot of our stuff, maybe the government is a little bit worried about me, right? But nonetheless, we teach really practicality, practical prepping, right? And so look, when, when there are those protests and riots happening, they're not going to throw people into the local county jail. They're not going to have enough room for it. In fact, government documents show their ability to be able to put up aid camps or these FEMA camps um, with barbed wire, with fencing, with uh, security personnel, with troops around it um, in any in different destinations in any state within our country. Now, those plans are there for very real purposes. 
for some of the things that we're talking about, because if there is a true collapse and people freak out, in order to have law and order, and we don't go back to the walking dead days here, they're going to need to have rule of law any way that they possibly can. They're not going to go knocking door to on, door to door and rounding up preppers. They're going to be the, all those people that are doing protests, whether it's Antifa or, or whether it's right wing or left wing. Um, we've seen now what happens when there is no rule of law. Local law enforcement, uh, National Guard troops, they're going to go protect the centers that need the security the most. And that is not my house and your house. That's city hall. That's the government. Those are, they're the agencies that, that form the infrastructure of our security of our personnel and our governing of our personnel. That is where there's going to be aid and assistance, not around your house. That means you're going to have to be the one to be able to provide your own self-protection there or be like Jim is going to do, get to some place that's safer, that you don't have to worry about being near all of these riots and things. Okay. So I actually want those FEMA camps up. I want bar, I want triple barbed wire around the top there. I want you to keep all of those protesters and rioters that want to like are going to firebomb my house to be able to get my food and stuff. I want those lo- those people locked up. Okay. So, um, but uh, again, it, it's really important to really note here that the government has already planned for these things because they know that this could very well be a possibility in our near future. In our near future. Okay. All right. Now, again, Jim already has a plan B destination. It's about 300 miles. He has enough time to be able to get there and bypass any martial law. But he is worried about checkpoints along the way with some of the urban centers that he might come to. Now, that is why we talked, Jim and I talked about topographical maps that if he were, if he had to, could he bypass certain checkpoint areas? Could he go, could he put a large swath around there? Um, some of the things that we, we didn't talk, and Jim, if you're listening to this, which I'm, I'm sure you're going to, um, is to have a means of communication in the way of a, a scanner of some kind that you will be able to listen to police and government air and, and different channels that will be able to give you a heads up on where different uh, danger zones might be as well as what local law enforcement and military might be doing in certain areas where there might be checkpoints, where there might be choke points and things like that. Okay, uh, So that's something we didn't talk about. The third thing that I'll share with you here. Is, uh, is one of the things that Jim talked, Jim and I talked about, and that's a fuel plan, okay? Because that is the number one thing that is, you're most likely gonna have to wor- uh, worry about. If you are, if you are able to get on the road and you're getting on there well in, in time, okay? You're still gonna have to worry about getting to your destination. Now, that's one of the reasons why we talk about 150 miles being a good zone, because on a full tank of gas, that's about where you're going to get to, right? So if you've got a, um, you know, let's call it a 12, um, a 12, uh, 12 gallon tank of gas and you're getting about 12 uh, miles to the gallon, you're going to get about 150 miles. Okay. Now, uh, what we've seen time and time again is that any type of a crisis, and I'm talking, we've got a, a snowstorm that's happening right now where I'm at. I'm in, I'm actually in my parents' basement. I'm visiting my mom and my mom and dad. And I'm in the basement. I feel like I'm back. I'm like 15 years old again. That's where I lived in the basement. And uh, so I'm in the basement, but there's a big snowstorm happening outside now. And last night, people were lined up around the gas tanks, making sure that they had fuel inside of their vehicles. Well, when it comes to any sort of a crisis, you're going to find the exact same thing. That's why we have those those traffic jams on the highways, because it people run out of gas, and they run out of gas in the middle of the freaking highway. Right? They just keep praying, oh, just get us there, just another 10 feet, another 10 feet. Boom, 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 boom. 
and the car dies, and there they are, and they back up everyone else behind them, right? So you've got to make sure that you do have a fuel plan. Now, that includes having fuel at home. Um, we did talk about, you know, a lot of people say to keep your fuel tank at, don't let it get below half a tank. I think that's pretty unrealistic. I don't know anybody, even like expert survivalists, that really truly keep it that way. I tell people, you know, a third of a tank, um, don't, try not to get, let it go below a third of a tank. And, and also make sure that you do have fuel at home. So if you have fuel stocked away in the garage and I, and, and you can have, um, they make 20 gallon tanks that you can have that are really, really handy. In fact, I just got done shooting a video for New World Patriot Alliance that showed my fuel plan. And it's a, you know, one of the, one of the elements of that is a 20 gallon fuel can that basically has a, like a gas pump attached to it that you can just put it right into your tank and you, you put fuel stabilizer in that. It'll last for a couple of years with fuel stabilizer in it. And there's enough there that I can fill up my tank and my wife's tank because we're going to take both vehicles with us and we are going to fill both of those vehicles up with whatever we have in there and be able to get to be able to get to our destination. Now, in route to where I'm going to my plan B safety retreat, I also have a storage uh, a storage shed. It only costs me $10 a month, and I'm able to also keep more fuel there. So that way, as I'm on the road, if I'm going to need other, if I'm going to need more fuel, I have a means to get there and get to it. Okay, so that's going to, and again, every couple of years, I just, I go out to my safe retreat, and on the way there, I take that, I stop there, I, I take and I, I refill using the fuel that I have in those tanks there. And then I refill that uh, while I'm there for another two years. It's a really simple process to go through. So it's really not hard. It's really not hard to do that. Okay. But now it comes to your own plan. All right. So um, do you know the warning signs for your area? Have you done a strategic assessment of your area? Um, do you know where you're located in relation to uh, certain urban centers or the different danger zones that might crop up during a crisis? Do you have a plan with alternate routes to get to your plan B safety retreat when you finally come up with one if you don't already have one? And do you have a fuel plan to be able to get to that safety retreat um, when the poop does hit the fan? All right. Those are all really important questions to ask yourself. And Jim, I want to again commend you for, for already putting action behind your words and really thinking about the things that most people are just not thinking about. All right. Now, listen, everybody, um, if you want to go ahead and submit your questions for the New World Patriot Alliance, if you're one of our members, go ahead and make sure that you get on the call with me. I open up my office phone line once a week for us to talk one-on-one -on -one and talk about anything that you want to talk about. I'd love to talk with you also and as well as hear what you're doing because I always learn from people as well. And I love learning and getting more tips from everybody that's out there as well. So if you're a New World Patriot Alliance member, make sure that you go ahead Go ahead and give me a call. I'd love to talk with you. All right. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. <laughs>